day at sportsstats.ie. It's Tuesday and that means it's time for the Fair Green, our weekly show where we feature a present or past player looking back at their career or looking at their achievements to date. While our guest in this week's show has certainly built up an impressive portfolio and she is by no means finished. We can't quite call her legend yet because she still has a lot to do, but she's certainly building up a legacy in various different sports and is a great ambassador for association football, Gaelic football or even Australian rules football it doesn't really matter she's shown a dab hand in all three of them and many many more our guest this week is Mayo football forward and star Sarah Rowe here on the Fair Green and first Sarah welcome to the Fair Green. Hi Darren how are you thanks for having me. Pleasure is absolutely ours Sarah and you're doing one thing at the moment that in Ireland we'd love to be doing at the moment you're getting ready to play some football. Yeah exactly and um... I think I came, got over here, and um, life was quite normal. It was kind of, it was kind of strange at the start. I was like, you know, being able to interact with everyone, being able to go do whatever training was. You know, there's COVID protocols. You have to get tested every week, and, and a few things going on. But other than that, you know, everything is quite normal. So I feel very grateful to be over here, and um, I suppose doing what I love and being in that um, environment in Collingwood is just um, it's lovely. And as soon as I arrived into Melbourne and walked into the club like I immediately felt at home so and um, that was lovely because obviously being away from family and friends sometimes can be hard but and um, feel very lucky and grateful to be over here. We're going to spend the first part of the show, Sarah, talking about the AFL and what's gone on the last two years and building up to the start next uh, Thursday, uh, Thursday evening for yourself, Thursday morning for us. But just as you mentioned there, like for anybody in Ireland at the moment, having the mild restrictions are proven very, very difficult. I can't imagine um, how difficult it would have been to be quarantining for two weeks around Christmas time on your own. Yeah, it was kind of one of those things that I was like, I was definitely dreading it going into it. And I, like, you know, people were saying, are you excited to like, go into Australia? I was like, no, I'm not because I know that I have two weeks quarantine to do first. And I don't really deal with things until they kind of, you know, they come up and they hit me in the face nearly. So I was like, the thought of quarantine was probably a lot worse than it actually was. Whereas when I got into it, I was like, my life had been a bit of a rat race in Ireland. I was um, before I left, I was teaching, I was doing. And a lot of driving. I was also trying to train twice a day to keep up with the demand for Collingwood because I was essentially in contract from about November onwards. So I had a lot of work, I suppose, to get through. Um, so when I got to quarantine, I was like, actually, this is really nice. I really enjoyed the time and space to myself where I was like, I can reflect on what's gone on for the last few months. I can plan for going forward. I can also just enjoy my own space and time and just not be accountable to anyone. I thought that was really nice and it was really refreshing. And as long as you create a routine for yourself, like remember looking at the window at one point and you're like, it's actually crazy that you you just adapt to whatever situation you're placed. And I was like, it's literally a distant memory that I can go out into the fresh air. So you just like get caught up in kind of your own world and your own stuff. And um yeah, learn to learn to just change and adapt. And I had a good routine, really like I suppose exercise, my like food, nutrition, all the kind of things. And I also had meetings with Collingwood quite a bit um, on a lot of education stuff and a lot of um videos to catch up on as well from when I was back home in Ireland, like um, game plays and stuff like that. So that actually takes takes took up a few days. And other than that, then I, I felt like I was busy. I don't know how, but I did feel like I was busy. 
Life admin, maybe. I don't know. Well, that's the thing as well, because as you said, you have the excitement looking forward to getting out there after the two weeks. And in one way, I suppose, Sarah, it's like a retreat because there's no way in this show we'd be able to do justice for a lot of the um, work you've been doing, the matches you've played. Of course, you were involved with the 2020 campaign too, but it does give you that bit of time just for yourself as well. While you were kept busy, gives you a chance to take stock, plan, head to what's going to be, no doubt, another busy 2021. Yeah, and it's just, I suppose... You know, we're always looking forward or looking back or whatever, and it just kind of gives you that kind of reset button to be like, okay, this is time I'll never get back again. I'll probably never be in this situation again. Well, I hope maybe not. Maybe, maybe not. Unless, I suppose, I go home, when I go home again, it's uh, COVID and quarantine life is still happening, I suppose. But I was like, I won't be in this situation again in person, uh, in a hotel room. So I was like, I might as well use my time wisely and um, kind of just, you know, uh, be able to reflect and see where I'm kind of going next so um like that I I think it was like you said it was just a nice nice time to have to yourself and now you're out and about and you're back in the thick of it as well. But the uh, practice matches have already begun and no doubt you're really looking forward to a start against Carlton on Thursday. Carlton, the team that just scored your first goal in AFL, if I'm correct? Yeah, yeah, they were, we're playing in um, Icon Park and the same ground. It's, it's a really nice ground. You kind of walk into the ground and it's like the real feeling of history and, you know, Collingwood and Carlton obviously being rivals. It's, it, it should be a great um, showcase and I think um, prepping over the last two, two or three weeks we've been out of quarantine like um, Emma's in a really good place team's in a good place um, but again ultimately it comes down to the day and it comes down to pressure and all of those factors so but I think the, um, we're all in a really good place at the moment and looking forward to the week ahead but um, yeah it'll be it'll be good for Collingwood too, and I know we're living in different times, but your first year over there, you just won one match out of seven. Last year, you picked up four wins during the initial stages of the competition before losing out in the preliminary semi-final. Have you real ambitions as a team this year to make an impact and maybe get yourselves in contention to make the grand final? Yeah, I suppose to be part of the journey of Collingwood so far has been really good. I suppose year one is like, you know, I'm trying to learn the game as an individual um, I really was focusing on, like, how can I break down the game and understand it as much as possible? How can I become the most professional athlete I can become in terms of, like, strength and conditioning, nutrition, training, the controllables, uh, learn, and then also just being in that environment and, and learning what that looks like and stuff. So there was a lot of learning for me in the first year. Second year, it's like, hey, you've been here a year now, you know, um, you want to start um, kind of becoming... And, you know, you want to start to try help others around you, you know, be a good teammate, all those things. And you want the team to, you start to be like, you know, I want the team to start to do really well as well. And um, we've brought in, I suppose, quite a few, a few things happened. Uh, year one, there was a coach that was there for a few years who did a really good job and brought in kind of a lot of young players who were probably not fully ready for that level, but like are coming into form now as, you know, the years kind of take on. Um, so he was kind of breathing younger culture and kind of starting from scratch. And then, and then uh, last year, then we got a new coach and we got one or two um, big players from other clubs, Brianna Davey, who used to play for Carlton, um, a real leader, captain, um, Carlton, plays with the Australian soccer team, the Matildas, just a really, really good person. And we got in a few people like that 
who have made a really big impact. And last year, obviously, we we kind of raised our standards as well in terms of um, the way we trained and also our team culture has um, is improving every single year and to a point now where, you know, I walked into the change room and I was like, this is really good. Like, there's a really good feeling here. So, like anything, you obviously have aspirations and you don't compete to, to not win. So, um, you know, we would be competing, thinking that we can compete in finals situation. But like that, as a team, as a group, we always say that we, you know, we don't focus on what lies ahead. We focus on today, tomorrow, the next day and the match ahead. So, like, we're only looking towards Carlton this week. But first and foremost, we're looking towards Friday, Monday, Wednesday training. And then we look, you know, we start to build for Carlton, but it's all about doing the little things daily, right, that ultimately um, end up, teams end up having success from. So you just don't, you can never get too far ahead of yourself in sport. It's just like day by day, good habits. And um, hopefully we'll uh, see benefits of that. But we've also got in quite a young, young group of uh, draft players. And um, what I've noticed in the last few years is that the draft is becoming so much more competitive. So the younger players we got in, say, last season, the younger players this season are much more developed. They've been in a kind of system to get them ready for AFL. They, you know, can kick a boat's feet. They're very talented and it's getting better and better every year. So the standards will ultimately get better and better. So I think over the next couple of months, years, whatever, I think it would be probably a bit harder for Irish players to come out and speaking to the coach and the other day it was just like we have such a pick of the lot basically in the draft with younger players who've played it kind of their whole lives so Irish players need to be at the absolute top of their game for um, high school people to pick them I've no doubt they'll all include yourself relish the challenge. Sarah, when you look back now, like two years ago when you when you started going down there um, and not knowing what to expect, do you feel yourself as more complete footballer now? Even you say there, you have adapted to the game, your accolades have shown that and you relish the challenge from these younger players coming through. I definitely feel a lot more comfortable, yeah, um, with the shape of the ball and all that. Like, you know, it's obviously an unpredictable ball, but you start to understand what way it moves when it moves. And so I think that side of things I've definitely become more comfortable at. And it's just uh, like being like persistent and consistent as well. And with your work and your skills work and stuff is always really important, I think, for the Irish people. Irish players to break it down, break down the game. Because for me, what I like to think is like, you know, my instinct is getting better. Like I start, I can start to read things. What's going to happen next? Like as a early footballer, you grow up and... You know, you know, you know maybe where the ball is going to end up next. You kind of, you know, you can see things happen before they happen. Whereas I always find that when I watch Irish players or um, even my, the way I feel myself, it would be like, you know, there's opportunities where you decide to go or stay, and you know that's the second of, and um, that's the second where you hesitate to make a decision. So the moment's lost. So it's like you know that hesitation. It's like right, either do I go or do I not go. Um, and also it's very um, position orientated. So like I play on the wing, for instance, and like I have to hold my space. And no matter what, if the ball isn't coming that side, which often it happens in the women's game, the ball isn't switched for like 10 minutes. So you're just literally hanging out on the wing and you're not allowed to move from there. So like there's, you know, restrictions and stuff in that as well. I find that part of the game hard. Because I was like, I see space somewhere else. As a footballer, 
game of football, you space down there, can I go in there? Nope, that's not your own. So you have to always go back to what's your own, you know, when everyone has a role on the team. And if everyone plays their own, Team will ultimately do well. I suppose, as you mentioned there, your instincts with a footballer that would have been difficult to deal with. And we'll talk more about that in the Gaelic football section in a moment. One question before I, let, I leave the AFL, Sarah, because um, I was reading leading up to this interview. Is it true that when you first got contacted about the opportunity, you didn't believe it was true? You got an email from a George Voyage, if I'm right? Yes. Yeah. yeah, I saw the email. I was just like, I didn't know too much about um, AFL. And- so people would probably look at me and think that I actually follow loads of sport. I actually love playing sport myself, but when I'm not playing sport, I actually like to switch off from it. So I probably like to do other things that don't involve sport sometimes. So like I, I hadn't watched any AFL games, like I hadn't really a clue about it. And um, so yeah, I just thought I was like, I don't know what this is. Like it's like I've gotten emails before from like people about scholarships in, in America and stuff, and like you'd always look at them and be like. Yeah, yeah, kind of like, I don't know, is that is that a real email or not? So that's kind of the way I felt about it. But anyway, I said I'd explore it, you know, see what, see what he says back, um, reply anyway, and then um, work from there. And then comes the opportunity, I suppose. You didn't look back. Yeah. Uh, I'd love to go more into this with you Sarah but of course time will get the better of us but I certainly hope we do again down the line or over the course of the season we'll stay in touch uh, I want to just go to soccer or association football for a, a couple of questions and then we'll go to the getting football segment um, of course one question does not do justice to what you achieved uh, playing soccer five times for Ireland FAI Cups WNL Cups with every club under 16 um, titles as well was soccer something you'd love to have kept on but probably just couldn't give the time to it? Yeah, it's definitely something I look back on and think um, I wonder what would have happened if I played soccer or who I'd be playing with now or what I'd be doing, I suppose. Um, so I and I absolutely love soccer. We had a you know, really good run of it with the Irish under-19s and then um, obviously getting a few caps through the seniors was great and um, something I, I'll always remember. But... Um, yeah, it's definitely something I suppose I look back and think, could I play again? Would I play again? But I just, I loved, I loved what we did. I loved being in the Irish under 19th. I think what happened was Mayo started to kind of demand more, I suppose. It wasn't just like, you know, two or three evenings training a week. And what happened was I'd have a Mayo game on a Saturday and I might have a soccer game on Saturday at the same time. And I always felt... I didn't like the feeling of having to tell my teammates that I couldn't play on Saturday or whatever. So I always felt like I was kind of letting down people. So that started to happen a lot. Like I just got more demanding. And um, I, when I was playing for Shelburne at the time, I was training maybe like 13 times a week, like including my S&C and all that. And I was in college trying to study, trying to play for Mayo, all this. And I was like getting to the point where I was like, I'm putting on my boots every single day and I'm starting to hate it. So it was like I had to make a decision at that point and say, right, can I focus on this for, for now? And then we'll like go back to soccer then and try to focus on that. So it was different times. I picked my moments for a while towards um, the end of I suppose, soccer. And we'll never say the end, but towards um, the back end, I did like a bit, you know, I focused on soccer for a year, the year, the under 19th. Then I focused on Gaelic and then I ultimately picked Gaelic then after that. We're saying that we won't rule out a possible return somewhere down the line. Yeah, I'd love to, I'd love to think I would. Um, I, I'm a long time out of the game now, so it's 
you know, and the game has come on a lot as well. So there'd be a lot of work. And I think if I was decide, deciding to put my head into soccer again, like I'd have to give up everything else because I'd have to give it my full commitment to get to a place where I'd want to be. So I think, yeah, I wouldn't rule it out, but because um, it's definitely been on my mind over over time. But um, for now, I'll stick with the AFL anyway and the football. Well, we, we haven't started covering soccer yet, so we want to keep you with football and AFL for the time being anyway, but we look down the line. Sarah, before we go to football, one other question I want to ask you. Of course, we've talked about soccer, we've talked about AFL, we're about to talk about Gaelic football. Was there ever a consideration you playing rugby because your father, Alan, has been very, very prominent, especially with Ballina? Uh, there was, actually. Um, there's this guy, uh, Stan McCarroll, he works at the... Um, Irish under the Irish senior sevens team, um, and when I was in DCU, he used to go to some of our um our college games, and he's like, "Will you come in and play seven? Come in and play seven. So I went to a few trainings for two or three weeks, and then I was like, "I actually can't give a commitment. I'm trying to play football. I was trying to play soccer at the time. I can't give this the commitment, and it's not obviously my first love." you know it could grow to be a love of mine but it was just like at that time it just wasn't right and also we just had to give up everything else so um I decided no and then a year later then he came back again he said we play sevens we play sevens so I was like yeah I was like I'll I'll give it a go again I'll give it a go again so same thing it was kind of I did two or three weeks and then I was like ultimately still can't get this commitment that it deserves and I, again I don't do things half-heartedly I would have liked to put my full head into it so um, another thing I suppose you might in real life but I don't know we'll see uh, I'm making notes here as we talk but even and I knew the answer to this already but even as, as we're chatting there I get the feeling that Gaelic football is the first love day in day out yeah it is um, it's definitely the game I probably enjoy the most I love the group of players that I play with as well and that that helps a lot as well, like being in a team environment that, you know, um, you get on really well together, like you've grown up playing with them your, your whole life. I suppose in soccer, I'd always kind of been, you know, I played for Balna, then Casper Celtic, then Rohini, then Shell. So like I was jumping teams all the time, but like, you know, I, I still played with like great people and all that, but I didn't grow up playing with them. So it was always a different feeling there. Whereas with Mayo and with my club and all that, it's like, We've grown up doing this our whole lives. So there's that real emotional connection to your players nearly. Um, so I always love that side of things. I think that's what makes football really special. Um, it makes you kind of go that extra um, 1%. And you've been doing that in countless occasions, which we'll tip into in a moment. I have to ask you one question of the news. Of course, Peter Lee is now gone from Mayo. I know he said some things in an interview last year about AFL, but you've already commented that you'd sorted that out before you departed. What are your thoughts on Peter's uh, departure? Yeah, sad to see Peter go because we've, you know, we've had a journey together and we've had it for a really long time. Because Peter was in when Peter Clark took us like a good few years back, way back when I was like 16 or 17 with Mayo. So like I had a relationship with him since then and we always got on well. And then obviously he came in and took um, took Mayo up and, you know, he did great things for us. We, you know, haven't, I suppose, created a kind of culture and environment within our players now that like we're much more self-sufficient than we probably were a few years ago like you know we know the girls know how to look after themselves and he's put really good structures in place for the group and 
you know, we didn't obviously get to where we wanted under Peter, but we took really big steps in the right direction. Um, and, you know, us as the playing group will be very grateful for that and uh, for his time and everything. So, you know, we wish him all the best in his next encounter as well um, because he's like a really fantastic coach. When you came into the Mayo team, I know you made your debut against Galway in 2012, but it was a Mayo team that, you know, were still competitive and say they've moved it up a couple of levels since. Is that, how, when you look back now, when you started with Mayo and where you are at the moment, how would you compare them? Oh, chalk and cheese, really, in terms of the way we train and the way we go about our business, uh, for sure. It would have been much so, it was you turn up to train and you do... You do your training. Some girls do stuff outside of it. Some girls didn't. And it was just kind of like a bit more relaxed. But that's the way football was for women's football, I think, up until, you know, a few years ago, until the standards started to raise and more money was invested into, into it. And people saw as was where you could go with it. Um, so now I suppose the girls, like, you know, they live their lives every day um, working towards being better athletes. So, like, you know, that's every aspect of their life, like strength conditioning and um, nutrition, running, all that stuff. Like, um, you know, it's ticking boxes every day. It's living your life um, to be a better footballer and early. And um, it's a full-time job at times if you want to, um, I suppose, commit and do it right. You've had that rivalry with Galway over the years. You've traded Connor titles on a few occasions in the course of the national stage. I don't want to go comparing you to the Mince era, but I suppose it's probably that little bit of feeling you're knocking on the door. You've been in three league finals, the All-Ireland final in 2017. Looking maybe for just, just that big break to get you over the line. Yeah, well, like you look, look at it as a big break and you look at it sometimes and think, oh, you're unlucky. But like there always is a difference between that one point win and that one point loss. And it's small things, it's fine lines, it's, doing everything and that extra percent better and so I always think when you lose like that it's like you know you need to be able to handle those pressure situations and the great teams do and they can do it time and time again and back that up so we probably have a small small bit of a way to go if you were to really look into it but um, it's just really small things that I suppose you tidy up on at training and you know basic standards and ultimately that one point loss could be a one point win. Of course, there was a big break in 2017 with the semi-final victory over against Cork. You know, even though you were competitive often and had league victories over them, nobody would have given you a chance. Uh, given you a chance. That was a big win that day. Could that count as a highlight of your inter-county career so far? Yeah, yeah, absolutely. That was um, an amazing feeling that day. And um, there was real belief within the group that day. You felt it. You know, you know, sometimes you know before a game if you're going to win or not what the vibe is like in the group. And, I remember the previous year we lost to Dublin in the semi-final by a point in the last minute and it was the exact same changing room, exact same uh, pitch. We were, I suppose, we were all sitting in that exact same changing room and I remember thinking to myself, okay, we all kind of moved and shuffled around and didn't sit in the same seats that we sat in the previous year. So we were like, you know, different seats, different outcomes kind of thing. Um, But I remember the vibe being really good and thinking there's, you know, we can win today, um, and there was that real belief. So, um, yeah, it was it was an unbelievable feeling.
It was indeed an unbelievable performance. I know the All-Ireland final itself on the field of play didn't materialise. Of course, when you talk about a highlight, and of course, the following 2018, we might as well just put it out there, was a difficult enough year, of course, with the Carnacon issue as well. And was there a feeling at the end of 2018 that, you know, you were, were you wondering where this was going or did you always, those players that were still there, did you always have that belief and resolve that you can turn this around, which you did do in 2019? Yeah, I suppose um, over time you're like, well, you know, players, as players get older and everything, there's always going to be new and um, fresh players coming in. And there was that and there was a lot of young players coming up at the time. It was like, OK, we're, you know, we're rebuilding again now and we need to start from scratch and we need to work on ourselves and um, make sure that we can express ourselves and enjoy ourselves and, and work hard. And um, so we did that and um, definitely in 2018, we you know, put the head down and everyone worked extremely hard and um, ultimately the results showed. So probably unexpectedly to, to many, but a lot of us had played um, underage football together and we had, you know, we had that good, I suppose, pose fluidity in our play and we just kind of went out and expressed ourselves very carefree about it and, um, you know, we did we did okay and I suppose lost out narrowly to go away in the end. Yeah, I was just going to say, because he did, like, I will be honest, I was at the quarterfinal in 2018 and I was concerned about where you were going, but you had the answers in 2019. And Sarah, even as a goalie man saying this, uh, like that All-Ireland semi-final, how close it was at the end, could that loss in 2019 have hurt more than the 2016 semi-final loss to Dublin? Yeah, that hurt a lot. But I also think because we had lost so many players the year before, there was probably that tiny lack of belief within the group and that I suppose could have got us over the line. Like, did we really believe that we could do it? Like, we definitely had the ability to do it. But um, I think we needed to probably mature another year. And um, I think that's that's kind of where we were at at that time. But yeah, it definitely hurt a lot. I remember there's a lot of down days after that. Um, and then, you know, them feelings never, never leave you. So, like, this vivid memory of looking up at the um the scoreboard and then hearing the buzzer and being like, Oh my god, no way. Couldn't happen. And the controversial call, I suppose, with the ball going into Rachel Cairns and her getting it free out when I know some people would argue it was a free in. But like that again, as I said, it's the, the marriages between winning and losing are so fine um, at that level. So and yeah, very disappointing result. Yeah, and I, I do, as I say, acknowledge where you're coming from at the end there as well. It was just one of those calls that's just went against you on the day and you could, we could debate this for, for quite some time on a 2020. Oh, yeah, you can you can actually, yeah, sorry, in relation yeah, but, to that call, like you, you can never really blame that kind of stuff. Like it's obviously sometimes you're like, oh, that was an unlucky call, but um, overall you can't really blame that. There's so many other things in the game that could, should have, could have went right as well, so... Um, but that's just things that you look back on and remember, I suppose. That's exactly it. But also, of course, he proved you were back. Of course, in 2020, didn't it? it was just, it was always going to be a, a tough group. And with only one coming out of it, you would have probably gone in as favourites. You started off brilliant against Tyrone. You scored 2 9 yourself. And I suppose you don't want me to talk any more about our Madden. We have to. Um, yeah, yeah. It was, um, it was one of those days that it was like that game passed us by. And we, I, I don't believe that any of us really showed up on the day. Um, so I think it was that was a real letdown and really disappointing because you don't mind losing when you've actually, like everything was put out on a plate. But when you lose and you feel like 
he did yourselves injustice. I think that's really disappointing. So, and um, that was a very disappointing game. Now, Armagh obviously were a very good team and um, showed a lot of signs of class and uh, brilliance. So, like, you know, absolute credit to them. But from our, our perspective, I suppose we were very disappointed with our performance on the day. Yeah, I was supposed just the goals in the day were the were the key difference as well. And ultimately, any other year you would have had a quarter final, but not in twenty twenty. We look forward to those battles. Of course, we are flying through because I'm conscious of time. And I, I Sarah, I can't let this interview finish without talking about Kilmore Moy. Um, <laughs> what a, uh, just first, what a journey the club has been on over the last few years. Oh, it's been it's been absolutely amazing. I've loved every minute of it, and. Um, I especially loved last season during um, when I suppose we were kind of half coming out of COVID and I was able to train with my club for that, that damn number of weeks. I've never, ever got that time with the girls and with the group to be able to actually always be a training, be involved, I feel really part of the team. I think that I find that hard as a county player that you dip in and out of your club season and you feel like, you know, you feel like you're just showing up at the end of season and being like, I want to play now, but you're like, you know, that's, I don't think that's the way it should work. Like, I think county players should probably be allowed to train with their, their club teams a bit more because it's really important. It's where you grew up. It's where you came from. It's ultimately where you finish. Um, but I think I've, I've loved that time. The club has been amazing and we've really got people involved in, um, I suppose, setting up things for us, like Joe Corcoran and Simon Beale, all these people. We had a great coach, Shane McCann, and, they've just driven such positive energy into the girls and it's given the girls real belief and a feeling that, you know what, we can, we can do whatever we want. You know, it's up to us what we want to do next. Uh, but over time, I suppose junior, junior, intermediate, senior, so it's been great. Yeah, I remember I was at, I think it was the Connacht final, you're against St. James's anyway in the junior decider, I think it was 2016. Um, I was already familiar with you as a Mayo player, but I certainly was familiar afterwards. I think you scored four goals that day, a fantastic performance. Well, I don't really, really remember that one. <laughs> but, um, yeah, look, look, it's um, the club girls are great, and um, I get to play in the position I'm playing full forward, and um, so that's your job when you're in there. Um, but yeah, I just love playing with them, and like I said, I've grown up playing with them, and they're um, a great bunch. And there's there's so much fun as well involved in club. It's like you know everything is taken seriously. Everyone trains hard to a point, and everyone does their work outside training. But it's always it's always a good laugh as well at the same time and you need that as well because like I take sports so seriously myself and I take training very seriously but to come into that environment and like just you know kind of relax and enjoy it was really nice as well and not feel I suppose as much pressure as you would with St. Mayo or Collingwood. And even the way the year went last year to come back in with the club was brilliant and you've touched on that already. So like any other player we've talked to so far, you must be deeply frustrated that the provincial calendars for 2021 for both ladies football and camogie are, are not bringing in the split season that the GA have brought in. Yeah, yeah, very disappointed. I would love to see that happening. I I think it's, as I said, I think it's really important and, and yeah, very disappointed to see that, that not happening. You were in with Kilmore Moy this year and just one more, one or two more before we finish up the segment because I'm conscious of the time, but you nearly came out with some silverware up against Burris Hull in the Senior Shield final. A great start to the game, but they just pipped you by a point at the end. Yeah, yeah, we did. Um, we had we had a good game that day and um, I think, yeah, the end of the game was just, it kind of went, it went all over the place. But, you know, you're in them positions. The year before that, we just pipped... Um, 
kill more people by a point. So, you know, I say you're in that position one uh, one year, you're in the other position the next year. Sometimes that happens. But, um, yeah, we're disappointed to lose that. But, again, we're building something, and um, that's the bigger picture there. You're in senior and you'll be ready to go whenever the senior club championships happen later in the summer or the autumn. Sarah, say I, I, I'm not even doing justice to your career, but we've talked about so far, but um, we definitely, hopefully, will get to do this again in some capacity in the future. One question I have to ask you before we finish up this segment, because I was listening to one of your colleagues on Colling One TV during the week. How is the parallel parking practice going? <laughs> <laughs> that is going unbelievably well. I'm a smaller car now at the moment, so it's much easier for me to parallel park. But God, last year when I was driving a Ute, I actually, honestly, couldn't park it anywhere. It was impossible. I had to get out of the car every time and get someone else to park for me. <laughs> I have to make a confession. I'm the exact same myself, and I think I'm, I think I'm 17 years older than you, and I still can't do it properly. <laughs> 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 the, other, the other quick one I wanted to mention and I promise we'll move on from here then as well like myself once is it true you went looking for a pitch once you used to sat nav and ended up in a field a pitch and ended up in a field oh well my sat nav brings me in all the wrong directions all the time so that would be nothing new yeah I remember once I think it was down Kerry somewhere and I ended up in a farm <laughs> <laughs> Sarah listen thanks a million for joining us and we're not, not letting you go yet but we are looking forward to following the AFL over the next couple of months and hopefully it won't be too long before we see you back in the green and red of Mayo and also with Kilmer Moy later in the year uh, before we finish though this is the segment we all love Fantastic Four where players get to make and break friendships over the next five minutes Sarah in a moment I'm going to ask you to name the two best well Gaelic footballers is the team we're using but you have the freedom to change codes should you wish the best two players that you've played with that can be with club county college any criteria you decide and then we get the best two players that you've played against so far so Sarah Rowe when you're ready can you name for me the best player you've played with and why probably Coris Johnson um, obviously naturally the way she plays um, the game and um, she's sometimes when I used to play with her and she was on the half forward line and I was on the full forward line like the direct I suppose diagonal ball that she could give I don't think anyone else I've ever played with could give that same ball um, so I used to always like obviously she's an amazing um, player and has done so well in her career so she'd definitely be up there um, with the best player I've played with and then also probably probably then um, I suppose in terms of soccer then I'd probably pick um, Katie McCabe um, she's an absolute talent, gifted player, um, just sees things before others and um, is a real good leader as well. Katie McCabe is a fantastic soccer player as well and has set an example. And of course, you mentioned Cora Staunton, the great ambassador for Mayo football. Uh, do you get to link up with Cora much down in Australia? I know you're playing for different teams. We all travelled together there on our way out to Australia. So there was um, a group of us, there was... Cora, Breach Stack, um, Aileen Gilroy, um, Ashley Sheridan and Ailish Constein. So we all travelled out together. So we got to catch up then and just, I suppose, talk through the differences between all our clubs and talk life, talk football, all that. So that was nice. Lovely, lovely to have the girls there when we were travelling out, you know, made a difference. And it's important too, and I know you've mentioned before how the Irish are close together. A Breach Sack, is, thankfully, is, seems like she'd be okay after that injury she picked up in the first match. 
thank God, yeah, God, that was often scary to see that mess, see that come through on your social media. It was like, you know, your worst nightmare. You just hated to see that, and especially for someone like Breed, who's just a great player, a great person, and to think that she had to go through that, I just, I was terrible. But I'm, I'm so glad to see that, you know, she's going to be okay. She's in recovery, and she's, you know, she's out and about, and she's not stuck in a hospital bed. And the outcome is, um, good for for what situation she was placed in. So very thankful to hear that. Um, but yeah, I hope her recovery goes as smooth as possible. Well, we certainly hope so as well. And she gets to get the experience down there that she went out for. So we have Cora Staunton and we have Katie McCabe in the Fantastic Four. Sarah, now it's time to pick the two best players that you played against. So now I'll ask you for the best player that you played against and why. I always find... I suppose you always judge players on the way they probably mark you. And um, Melissa Duggan from Cork is uh, a really great defender and probably has been one of my toughest opponents. And um, she's just very fit and um, underestimatingly strong. And um, she does. She is probably she's an unsung player. I feel like um, probably doesn't get the praise that she deserves but um, you know a lot of players will say that a lot of forwards I spoke to about Melissa as well before I've always said she's she, she's a excellent player um, so probably Melissa and then played against who else probably Sinead Goldrick as well um, another brilliant defender just uh, puts her body on the line goes for everything and you know just has that real white line fever so and um, yeah, she's a great player as well. Janae Goldrick, of course, shown it recently in the All-Ireland Final with her player of the match performance. And Mrs. Duggan, not for the first time, has been mentioned on a fantastic four. Sarah Rowe, the pleasure, absolute pleasure to talk to you. And again, we wish you the very, very best of luck in the upcoming AFL campaign and also to all your teammates in Collingwood. This was the Fair Green with Sarah Rowe. We go through Sarah's fantastic four one more time. It is Cora Staunton, Katie McCabe, Melissa Duggan and Janae Goldrake. When that being said, Sarah, thank you very much for joining us. Thank you very much, Diane. Thanks for having me.